right, everybody. Welcome back to another week of the Extra Rounds podcast. As always, my name is Mike Dice. What's up, guys? It's Elias. We are your co-hosts this week and every week. You can watch us every week at 2 p.m. Central on the Sports Illustrated MMA Facebook page. We also upload the podcast afterwards to uh, all the podcast places, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, anywhere you want to make sure you subscribe and listen. Um, this week, we have one guest, that guest being Jessica Penne. She uh, just fought this weekend, right? Yeah, she yep. fought a national. And yeah. um, so many fights, hard to keep track of. Yeah. Uh, she just fought this weekend. She's going to call in to talk to us about uh, her fight and just kind of uh, her career in general. Uh, we also are going to touch on some other uh, UFC-related topics before getting to that. She should be calling in at about 30 after the hour, so be ready for that. So first, you were at UFC Nashville. Uh, what was your overall feeling of the event? Well, it was, they had great fights. Uh, you know, there weren't gigantic marquee names and people were critical and on the interweb uh, about, uh, about the main event and stuff. But listen, there were a lot of good fighters in the card. There ended up being a lot of good fights on the card. So I think the crowd got their money's worth. I will say this, Mike, uh, I'm sure you, it's not something that was shown on television anyway. There are more fights happening in the crowd that arena that night than I've, I've seen at any UFC I've ever been to. It was pretty crazy. I, when I went to the Bellator fight in Chicago, 175, Rampage, uh, King yeah. Lo, there were several fights during the uh, throughout the evening, Jeez. one of which was during, I believe, the main event. And one of the guys, I can't remember whether it was Rampage or King Mo, talked about it, hearing like the commotion in the crowd and even looking into the crowd and realizing that they're not looking at huh. him and uh, Rampage and trying to – or whichever – him and his opponent yeah. and trying to refocus on the fight. I don't know why this is such a trend at MMA events. Yeah, well, I mean, it's much more of a trend at soccer matches than it is in MMA events, but well, it's definitely There's happening. a lot of things <laughs> that are more of a trend at soccer matches. <laughs> but, yeah, it was crazy. I didn't know about that uh, at the uh, at the event here in Rosemont. That's interesting uh, you were telling me. But, yeah, there was one one dude got kicked out uh, during the main event in Nashville as well. Yeah, it's a, I was just thinking, what what a way to ruin your freaking weekend. You spent hundreds of dollars on tickets probably, a lot more in crappy expensive beer in the arena or whatever got these most of these folks drunk and then you don't even get to see the rest of the fights and you don't remember it like what a what a weird symptom of like a pathos where you're just gonna you're just gonna spend a ton of money not to remember and take part in something it's very very strange and unfortunate right uh but it was an event that was a little bit slept on. I think people maybe had a little bit of uh, fatigue. There was, um, it was the third UFC event in a row, starting with UFC 210 and then uh, the Demetrius Johnson fight in Kansas City. Uh, that weekend of the Demetrius Johnson fight and this weekend there was, um, you know, three of the bigger MMA promotions all had fights. Bellator had fights back-to-back weeks. UFC had those three weeks. And then uh, Legacy Fighting Alliance also had fights in uh, back-to-back weeks and in there a bunch of other things victory fighting championship and uh, whatnot um so it was a little bit slept on what what do you think do you think the car exceeded expectations yeah i mean expectations were low as they always are people always make the same mistake of oh my gosh brock lesnar and george st pierre are doing a tag team match this is not a really big card and then it turns out to have great fights so i mean (laughs) like listen guys just learn your lesson um world-class fighters will produce um, some really good fights uh, whether or not they're famous, uh, <laughs> whatever weight they are. So I thought it was a good card uh, with with uh, with good fighters on it. Should it have been a pay per view? No, and it wasn't. So uh, I thought it was. I thought the the actual fighters produced. I thought you had Ally Quinta coming back after two years. He's a top ten guy. You had Joe Lozon, who's uh, you know should be a future Hall of Famer given 
the the records for bonuses that he's he's held and still is tied for first place alongside Nate Diaz, finding a really tough up and coming prospect in Stevie Ray. You got Diego Sanchez, who obviously is always exciting and, and a big name. You have Cub Swanson, who's a top three or four guy at worst, and at uh, at featherweight, uh, you had a number of of uh, you had former champion like Jessica Penne on the card. Like yeah, her opponent was a is a really good uh, prospect as well. Like listen, like sometimes sometimes you just got to be satisfied with with great fights from from great fighters, whether or not they're big names. So I thought it delivered. The thing is, the thing is that I think people more people need to recognize is you can stack a card, and it could not deliver. Yeah, and you could have a card that's perceived as not stacked, but the fights could be yeah entertaining, absolutely. and that's ultimately what it is is entertainment. Uh, well, sport, but yeah, you're looking to be entertained as a fan. Yeah, and it's going to be good sport. It's going to be good entertainment. You know, regardless of how famous the folks are. And yeah, this I mean, this card had good fights on it uh, for for certain. I think you know even even the one sided fights like the main event was was an exciting, interesting fight with Cub Swanson, right? And then they had competitive ones, and they had. You know, brutal knockouts for people that that really get off on that. So it, it, I thought it was a good card. All right, so you brought up Cub Swanson. Let's talk about him. He was in the main event fighting Artem Lobov. A lot of people criticized this fight's booking and thinking that Artem should not have been in a main event. Mm-hmm. Um, but Cub won, and he kind of made his case afterwards for uh, his shot at the featherweight title. Do you think Cub Swanson deserves the next featherweight title shot? Yeah, I mean, I mean, let, let's leaving aside the fact that the division's in a mess because the champion is not there, and they have sixteen other people that are champions at the same time right now. Like, yeah, like <laughs> I was exaggerating, but but there's it, there's there's no real clarity at the top there. Give you know, leaving that all aside, his his request to fight the winner of Max Holloway, uh, Jose Aldo, is a very reasonable one considering how many. Uh, how many fights he's won? I think his only recent loss is to Frankie Edgar. What has he won? Like ten out of his last eleven? I, I think he said in the ring nine out of his last eleven. Okay, and I think yeah, he's on a four check. or five fight win streak. That's that. At the that moment. he is. Yeah, you know. And he beat a guy that was on a two fight win streak. Love him or not, you know. Art and Lova was on a two UFC fight win streak. So yeah, fight I, of I the year so. candidate at UFC two hundred six. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I yeah, I think he deserves a title shot next. You can give him someone else, I guess, but. I don't think there's a lot of people in that division outside of Conor McGregor, uh, Jose Aldo, and, and Max Holloway that should be making arguments for a, a title fight in the next bout. His uh, last loss came to uh, Max Holloway, actually, ah, five so, fights ago so Frank at, University, at UFC Newark, right. Newark, which was, a, was it, like Rockhold Machida, I think was the main was event. Was that, that it? One. Okay. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's only lost recently to the very best of the best, guys who are already getting their shots or just got their shots. So I think it's very reasonable. I think the criticism that people have when he made that seemed to be that he hasn't beaten the no- notable people, that uh, there's no – big names or fellow top contenders on that list of four people he or the four fighters he he's beaten his last four fights do you buy that at all no i don't i mean like who's he supposed to who's he supposed to fight then he's supposed to fight jose aldo max holloway i mean then that's what he's asking for he's supposed to fight conor mcgregor well i mean like what who i mean who who should he fight then like who deserves who has a better record in the division and in that division right now that's a contender than he does um and you're going to put him against someone who's, you know, who has a, who's just coming off a loss but is higher ranked or something like Frankie Edgar. You know, he's already got a fight book. Like, it's, it's a strange thing. Like, you, you've, got to have, you've got to present me with someone who has a better uh, string of uh, victories than this person in order to make an argument. Like, yeah, of, of course Frankie Edgar has this guy's number. Are you going to give Frankie another title shot instead of him? Like, I, it's just 
yeah. don't know. It's it, it's a little strange. I mean, I'm not saying there aren't other fights. Like, yeah, he could fight the winner of Frankie Edgar Yair Rodriguez again. That's cool. That's a good fight. I have no real problem with that. He could fight Korean Zombie. That's cool. Is it really fair that he should have to fight Korean Zombie, who hasn't who's fought just once in the last few years to get a title shot? I don't know. So I, I think it's a little. People always say that they say, "Hey, who has he beaten in the top five? Well, there's only so many people, and rankings aren't a real. Uh, you know, they're completely subjective, and they change, and there's many different rankings. So I don't know. I think you got to go with with strength of, um, of of record, and then you go strength of schedule uh, after that. If there's no one that's put together the type of string of wins that a top contender has, then I think he has the best argument. And to to further this, going back to 2011. So basically, since 2012, he's only lost two fights. Yeah. And that was to Max Holloway and to Frankie Edgar. It's a heck of a, a guy who was a champion and a guy who currently is the interim champion right. and on a nine fight win streak. Too. So, how many so. other guys should he have to fight? Again, I'm fine, I guess, if he fights Frankie or, or again or the, yeah, year, but I don't know. That seems to he's be He's also beaten people again. like Jeremy Stevens, yep. Dustin Poirier, uh, Cowboy. Yeah. I mean,. You know, is is Cowboy a top contender at two divisions? Yep, not is, not that Cowboy. Oh, Oliveira. Yeah, uh, is it Cowboy Oliveira you're talking yeah. about? Yeah. Well, he's he's up there as well. And 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 you know, Dustin Poirier is back up a lightweight, but he's he's only lost to a few people at featherweight when he was down there. I mean, I don't know. I, I think I think there's no reason to say let's make this guy fight many more people before he gets for a title uh, fights for a title fight. Why not just have him fight the winner of that? And then a next contender that he should, people think he should be fighting. He'll fight next. If he wins the championship, I, I see no reason to think that type of fight him in a title fight is, is absurd. I mean, it's okay. If you want to see him fight someone else, that's cool. It's good fights for him, but I, I don't think it's unreasonable. So what about Artem Lobov? I think a lot of people walked away impressed uh, with him specifically with his chin and his ability to take a beating. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cub Swanson caught him a lot, really good. And he, um, rarely seemed like he was ever in danger of maybe being finished uh he was able to withstand quite quite the beating yeah and to be fair he you know was uh attacking cubs leg pretty well and Mm -hmm. a lot of that became a concern as people watched the fight so did you walk away impressed well yeah i mean definitely i mean of course i was impressed with him for sure i mean he he defended really bad positions on the ground defended submissions on the ground he scored takedowns he landed some good shots he absolutely absorbed really, really bad punishment to the brain. And he kept not only just standing there, uh, but kept swinging back. So was I impressed with his courage? Yeah. Was I impressed with his ability to, to survive really bad situations for, for most of the fight? Yep. Super impressive there. Uh, martial arts and fights are most first and foremost about self-preservation and, and self-defense. So he, he managed to do that. Um, so, yeah, very impressed with him. Uh, absolutely. Again, I'm ta- we're talking about a guy that went the distance with someone that I- I'm making the argument uh, should be considered for a title fight next. So, absolutely, absolutely impressed with him. I, I couldn't stay in there for-, for five rounds taking that type of punishment with Cub Swanson. I don't think most people, even at the pro level, could either. The other big uh, story of the night, John Dodson. Well, there was a lot of big stories sure, that came out sure. of this event that people were overlooking. Um, it's definitely one that people are talking about still. Yeah. John Dodson says the 135-pound division's ducking him. <laughs> Do you think that's true? I mean, on the surface, it seems like a division of people fighting at 135 pounds wouldn't be ducking some guy who moved up and weight from flyweight. Yeah, I don't know if they're ducking him or not, but I don't see why anyone would be in a huge rush to fight him if they're ranked above him or, you know, like he's he's 
clearly a great fighter, and he's uh, clearly clearly a huge threat with his power and his speed. Yet he hasn't yet established himself in as like the top contender at bantamweight. So why would the very top guys want to take that type of fight if it doesn't uh, doesn't necessarily elevate them? It's all risk and not a huge amount of reward. So I don't know if they're ducking him or not. Uh, career management always makes sense, and I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of fighters that aren't super eager to fight John Dodson. If you beat him, they'll just say, you know, fans might just say, oh, you just beat a flyweight. It's not a big deal. Uh, and you have, always have a very big risk of losing to him. So, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a contender, just like uh, was it, who else went up? And Lineker, you know, went up. These guys are contenders now, bantamweight. And I bet people don't – most people aren't Dillashaw even fighting. fought a flyweight, right? KJ? Did they? No, I think – I thought they fought at bantamweight when Dotson and Dillashaw fought. I could be wrong. Uh, well, they were on the ultimate fight. Yeah, so. I think that was a bantamweight season. You have to see. I'm not sure. But they did They did fight, right? Right. Um, and people saw what Dotson could do. beat Dillashaw. They, they saw what he can do to, you know, to a guy who was a champion. So, yeah, they probably won't be eager to fight him unless Dotson is the champion or it's a number one contender's fight. I, I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't tell – if I was a manager, I wouldn't tell my, my fighter to fight him unless – there was a guaranteed title shot on the line afterwards. He was also very critical of fans booing. Yeah. And uh, I think words like inebriated came out. <laughs> and he said that the fans don't like fighters who s- fight smart. Yeah. yeah. Uh, fair criticism. Yeah. I mean, tell, I don't know that anyone could tell me where he was wrong in anything he said there. Were fans drunk? Yep. Most of them were. <laughs> are, they, are, they, are, they, are they completely entitled and out of line to boo a honest effort of any kind people that are doing something most of them will never be able to do uh, at a level of excellence that they, most of us can't do anything yeah they're completely out of line I, i'm of the opinion you shouldn't boo unless there's cheating going on i just don't i just don't see that this is i i I'm, i try every day to stave off um you know just depravity in my in myself and just becoming a you know an, an idiot and, and I, I don't want to go back to the days where we're demanding lions be thrown at people and and weapons being used i mean listen two people uh have spent their whole lives training to become elite at what they do they spent a training camp focusing on one another evenly matched and they gave it all they could and people like it they don't like it that that's fine but it's it's, it's very strange for them to be booing someone and, and i think he's right nuance is not appreciated it's not appreciated by fans and i think it's not appreciated by um the ufc's uh promoter and president who always says very strange things uh from time to time about fights so yeah i, I think he's right I, I i think that's i think that's pretty obvious it's just fighters don't usually go on the offensive it seems like with fans one I think it's really if I don't know if anybody watching's ever actually been to a UFC fight but the the nuance in the ground game in particular mm-hmm. is very hard to pick up watching the fights unless you're changing your attention to the jumbotron which I feel like a lot of people aren't necessarily inclined mm-hmm. to do because you paid to be there they definitely should yeah. but you know there also seems to be like a segment of fans who still kind of expect more boxing like right or kickboxing like um fights when that's not necessarily what it is yeah and they're being told to expect that by the athletic commissions who instruct the referees completely outside of the rules to break fighters up out of the clinch to stand them up and things like that so it's understandable that that fans are uneducated um in that regard or under underappreciate stuff because there's a lot of forces kind of encouraging them to to, to view this right. as ultimate boxing you know but watching at home like you can really get a better feel for what's going on in the ground game and, and to me i think that's particularly intriguing and interesting i 
But I think so. I mean, that's what makes MMA MMA, right? We had kickboxing before. We had right. boxing before. What's different? Well, we could we can grapple. You know, right? <laughs> like, that's what that's what this is. If you don't like it. You don't have to, but why are you there? Did you not know what you were but, showing up for? But there is like a certain bit of the nuance that I feel like if you don't know, and I've never trained in jujitsu, so I'm not necessarily an expert, but I understand the concepts. Right. And I think I understand what they're trying to do in the body. Just one from having watched enough fights. Because you take but, the time to view it that way right. and, and look at fights. And, and, listen, and like yeah. you can see like, okay, the hand's here for this reason. The foot's here for this reason. Yeah. Th- this is why they're wrapping around this leg or this is why they're trying to control their body onto this side. Those things. And I feel like maybe it is an educational gap. Like they don't understand necessarily what's going on. But I think that's right. I yeah. don't want to make like a, at the same time like a widespread assumption like that with fans but i feel well, I, like I think, that's, I think it seems fair. to be the case at like a surface level just Do most fans train no, i don't well, think so so i think exactly I think like there's ha- an education gap as you're sure. coming into the sport you know how do you learn these things like everybody grows up playing football right. or baseball and you know your parents watched and so you're able to understand the game a little bit better and right. i hope that happens there's nowadays there's no reason why you can't go ahead and uh sign up for wrestling go take a judo class or take a jiu-jitsu class or Go to do some boxing at the park district. Like, you know, income, you know, notwithstanding, yeah, go do it. Go throw it's do the equivalent of tossing around the football, right? My friend my favorite's the clinch. So yeah. when you said breaking up the clinch, it's just yeah, I hear you, man. It's so intricate. That's you what, see high level Muay Thai fighters. Well, I mean but the stuff they do is amazing. Mike Perry exiting the clinch. Right standing on the elbow. You beautiful. Know? Beautiful. Um anyways, fortunately there's a lot of people still watching, so we haven't rubbed any anybody the wrong way so <laughs> that means i'm not doing all, my job all sober <laughs> educated fans watching well, it's, right it's, now. it's wednesday afternoon i hope they are sober right <laughs> it's five o'clock somewhere <laughs> so moving on let's uh i mean there's so much still to talk about uh Iaquintas win him going on this tirade wanting the bonus ufc not giving it to him yeah he goes on this twitter tirade afterwards when he finds out he's not getting the bonus yeah basically cusses out the UFC. I know you have strong feelings on this. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, I think Ally Quinta makes all really good points. If you could, you know, listen past our judgment of his accent, the way he kind of talks and, and his, his anger. Do people judge him for that? Yeah. I mean, listen, to, people always make fun of, uh, of, that his like jockey way of talking, uh-huh. I think, you know, like not people, no one would do it to us. Not face. like his like New Yorker. <laughs> well, uh, people make fun of New York accents. I'm sure someone's doing it. <laughs> I'm sure, so, I'm sure someone it's a is. a bold man. Right. But uh, would they do it to his face? That's another question, right? Uh, but I, I think if you, if you listen past, let's put it this way, the, I may have distracted with that, with, with, with his anger, his points were valid. What did he talk about? He talked about, uh, afterwards, he talked about, hey, um, the UFC, doesn't pay very much. I made. I was guaranteed to make twenty six thousand dollars for this fight only. He made twenty six and twenty six. Right. He's a top ten fighter in lightweight. That's kind of absurd. He co-main invented a fight. Um, he's he's upset that he was um, banned from getting uh, being eligible for performance bonuses for a set period of time by the UFC unilaterally. There is no disciplinary process in which his steward or his union rep or his association rep can go and appeal and say, okay, this is the pro-. it's just completely unilaterally. So he is not even eligible for a bonus uh, in, the, in this fight, and he's upset about that. He's upset about, he mentioned the fact that despite years and years of promises and then uh, looking towards and then insistence afterwards that UFC fighters get paid royalties from their name and likeness rights that they've given over to the UFC for video games, 
action figures, T-shirts, things like that. He says, I've never received a royalty check. I talked to his team in Algermaine Sterling this week for a feature going up at flowcombat.com, and uh, he said the same thing. So he's upset about a lot of really salient things. He says, hey, listen, we don't have an association that helps us negotiate things like royalty rates and make sure there's apparatuses for auditing and, and, and we know that we're getting what we should. He mentioned a lot of really sensical things. Uh, I, I don't think it was just the bonus. I think he's mad at what he gets paid. I think he's mad that um, he's claiming that you know the UFC didn't help out with injuries that, of course, he sustained along the way for doing his job for the UFC. Uh, and, and then, yeah, insult into injury, he feels he should have gotten a performance bonus. There was a lot of people you know, worthy of it. But one thing, I think he didn't say this there uh, in Nashville, but I think he said it in Ariel Helwani, she'll have a May hour. I'm paraphrasing. He said the UFC uses these bonuses to kind of have control over fighters. You know, keep someone in your, you know, keep, keep them amenable to your will because they know that if you upset the UFC, like Ally Quinta has, they may just unilaterally bar you from being eligible. And that's a significant thing. When you don't get paid well, and they don't get paid well, um, you know, a $50,000 bonus is a lot of money when you just made $52,000, period, right? You could double up. That's, that's life-changing. If you could, in one night, double the money you made, and in that case, probably like actually more than double what you were guaranteed because he was only guaranteed 26000 for showing. He had to earn the other 26000 for winning, which is, which is, is interesting in and of itself. That's life-changing money when you can double your salary. So um, I, I, think, I think he's right about that, that the UFC uses these bonuses to control fighters and keep them kind of uh, docile and, uh, and begging. Literally, what do they do? Dana, 50 Gs, baby. Hey, Dana, I want... They just, they literally, this is keeps fighters begging because they need that money oftentimes to make ends meet. He's, having, he's not just complaining. Let's keep this in mind. Ally Quinta and Aljamain talked about this as well because Aljamain Sterling told us that he, he started along Ally Quinta in real estate this past August together. They're not just complaining. They're doing something about it. They're like, yeah, I don't get paid what I think I deserve. I think this is a really messed up system. And so I'm going to start a second career. In Aljamain Sterling's case, and this was news to me, he, and this will be in the story, he's going to look to be a New York fireman. He's, gonna, he's expecting to take the exam in September. He's on his way to, to studying for it. So he's going to get three careers. They're hustling. They're trying. Al Jermaine, for those of you who don't know, is also currently flipping house and working in real estate. As a to top 10 capacity. bantamweight, right? Yeah. yeah. So he's yeah, Exactly. So he's, he's looking for his third career. They're not just complaining. Uh, they're, I think they're, they're educating fans. We were talking about earlier. They're educating fans as to how much they really, really make. Al Jermaine Sterling said something interesting. Um, it's going to be in the story. He said, you know, I, I saw some fans... Uh, say on the internet, like, yeah, good luck to Ally Quinta finding another job where you can make $150,000 a year. And, and Aljamain says, you know, I don't think fans are educated. It's like, where do they get that number? So Al has, this is the first time he's fought in two years and he made 20, he was guaranteed 26000 for it, 26 and 26. Uh, and then his, his, before his fight with Jorge Masvidal, Aljamain Sterling said Alan Quinta was still on his ultimate fighter contract. So fans have this expectation, reasonably, that these guys had at least paid six figures, right? But they don't have a union, an association that get, that you know that negotiated a minimum, uh, a minimum pay like the MLB does or the NBA or the NFL. So it's I, I think he brought up all the points he brought up were were good points. I think everything he's mentioned as factual, presented as factual, as far as I know, is true. And fans can decide to care or not care. You could want UFC fighters that you love watching, uh, and and that you pay a lot of money to their organization, their promoters, to be like a, a 1958 baseball player and have to work at a department store in the offseason. That could be cool to you, I guess. 
but it's a little strange to me. And to clarify, according to Tapology, which is a fun resource yeah. for those of you who uh, use SureDog a lot, this is kind of the same thing, but filled out with a little bit more information and uh, statistics and stuff. It says his career disclosed earnings for Ally Quinta is $124,000. In his entire career. Now, I don't know how up to date this is, but yeah. uh, I think that's pretty significant. The other thing, too, is in real estate, you sell a big enough house, mm-hmm. you can make $100,000 in a night. Point. You can make 50000 That's a good I mean, point. I'm not an expert yeah, what the yeah. commission rate is or whatnot. It depends but, how much this house sold for, right? Yeah. You know, there's expensive houses. You could yeah. you can make a good chunk of change. I bet you could. And uh, bet, not get punched in the face. And, well, yeah, and that's the thing. You know, that's a, it's a real shame because I think – we're at a crisis point here, Mike. I remember watching 15, 14, 13, 12, 10 years ago even and, and saying, man, you know, it's a shame. So many of these fighters have to take a second job. They're, trying, they're going for their dream, but in order to make ends meet, they have to actually work a, a side job. And, and, you know, fighters, fans, media, for the most part, speaking broadly, always said, you know, it'll be really great if this hits the big time. If we get big time corporate entities interested in the UFC sponsoring them. Let's say a Harley Davidson. <laughs> Let's say a monster, you know, energy. A monster energy or a or movie production company, you know, a movie production company to buy it or a Reebok, you know, man, or let's get back on pay-per-view. Cause there was a time it was banned from pay-per-view. Hey, let's get back on, let's get back on, uh, let's get on cable. Oh my gosh. Let's get on network television. Can you imagine the money's going to pour in? The money has poured in. It's gone to the UFC. And right now, still at this point, they got fighters to, in order to make ends meet taking second and third jobs. That's a shame because the the pot of gold was there at the end of the rainbow. Just the fighters, by and large, um, haven't gotten uh, their share of it. Uh, heavyweight champion Stephen Miocic, firefighter. Yeah, and he doesn't complain about a, his money. I think but he might be a volunteer firefighter. I don't know if he's actually doing this as a career. Oh, he no, he does. He gets paid. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I couldn't remember if it was a volunteer or an actual. No, job. it's it's a good it's a good question. He gets paid. I think that sometimes there's confusion. Like, are they part time? Because technically, like, just about every fire person is part time. They might work. Two yeah. three days a week. No, he gets paid for it. And here's the thing: Aljamain Sterling talked. Steepy, I haven't heard Steepy complain about his money. I'll tell you what he gets from, in addition to satisfaction and love, which is Aljamain Sterling said, "Listen, if I become get able to become a fireman, I'll um, I'll be able to help people, which is which is great. I won't break down my body, um, and to the point where I won't be able to train. Hopefully, and I can still take a fight, maybe if a fight makes sense. But he said, I'll get health care, which he said I haven't had health care. You'll see it in the story. I haven't had health care since I was on Medicaid." After high school, um, the UFC says they give health care. Do they? Do they give it year-round health care? They don't. He says, I'll get full dental. He has a family. You know, like, so you get a pension as well. You can re- so, you know, Stephen Miocic, I know he, he says that he loves being a fireman, and I bet he does. He also gets a pension out of that, I bet. He also gets health care, uh, something he doesn't get from being heavyweight champion of the freaking world, fighting on network television and pay-per-view. Very true. It's uh, 2.30, which is when we were supposed to get Jessica Penny on the line, so we'll get her on. Um, While Elias is trying to get her on the line, I'll just run down the list of MMA events coming this week. After a stretch of a fairly busy time in MMA, we kind of have a little bit of uh, some dead downtime. There's Victory Fighting Championship uh, 57, uh, May 5th. There is LFA 11, also May 5th. Uh, but you know, as far as the UFC goes, there's nothing till two eleven on May thirteenth. You, you call, yeah, call. and uh, you know, Bellator one seventy nine coming in May nineteenth, which is also when Titan FC uh, happens, and that's when Jose Shorty Torres goes for a second 
That's right. Championship belt. That's right. In Titan. Um, Let's see. We're dialing Jessica now. See if we can reach her. Invicta also late May. Just two UFC events in uh, May. May 28th, we have the Sweden card with uh, Alexander oh, Gustafsson right. and Glover Teixeira. So not a whole lot of UFC events in Your May. Call has been before, be a great uh, one. Oh, we missed her, by the way. Sorry to interrupt, Mike. So maybe she'll call back or she'll drop us a line and we can get her on in a, in a little bit on the show. Or maybe we'll have to get her on a, a, another episode. So sorry about that, guys. But we are looking forward to talking with Jessica. And um, she's got a lot to say, actually. She's the last two fights that she's fought. She's had a year in between them right like i don't know if that's uh, making sense. more than the last two has it been the last i three? think she's uh, since 2014 i think she's fought once a year wow yeah and and you know there's injuries but uh, you know there's there's been a lot of stuff that she's been going uh through and working past as well she's she's and she was on teams. the ultimate fighter she was yeah so she had a busy time and i know uh, she fought this past week went to a decision i know they disagree with the decision didn't go her way really good fight a, a tough fight close to close close fought and, and hard to score so she was telling us last night that she's very interested in talking. We just missed her now. Hopefully, we'll get her on today. Whoa. If not, we'll definitely get her on the show. Um, she's got she, – again, we really appreciate when fighters just days before or days after commit to talking with us. We know it's, it can be a tough thing, but uh, we'll get her at some point, hopefully. And uh, speaking of which, she fought Danielle Taylor. Yeah. And that was her UFC debut from Marine or – I forget now. One of her first two I UFC fights. I think it was. I think it is, but I have to double check. She also works as a corrections officer, I believe. That's right. So another that's UFC right. fighter with a second job. Man, that's a um, job. And, and as we're talking about this, uh, we could talk about a little bit about Bellator. Ryan Bader mm. uh, came out and said that he's making – and I think this is quite notable. Mm. Uh, I think this was on the Luke Thomas show that he said this, that he is making as much in sponsorship with Bellator – that as he was at UFC um, in the UFC. Wow. So that's a huge win. A lot of people felt like maybe the sponsorship money was going down after the UFC uh, did away with it as fighters went over to Bellator that maybe they weren't going to be able to get Mm enough or get as much, but they they're getting as much according to Ryan Bader. At least he is. He is in this. Yeah. It's a case by case basis, but it's a boon if you get it, which is another huge wrinkle there as uh, fighters, you know, enter free agency though. It's supposedly looking like gay guard Musasi is going to re-sign with the UFC according to things that are out there. Well, that's good. I hope he gets um, a good deal. He's a great fighter. Right. Uh, so that's, um, I know the next big name, everybody is watching to see what happens to him, but I don't think anything's been confirmed one way or the mm-hmm. other yet. Uh, of course, Ryan Bader, he's going to be on that stacked and this might play a hand in the sponsorship money. Oh, he's on that New York card. That's stacked. Yeah. Uh, with the pay-per-view portion, he's main inventing the spike TV portion, which is, uh, Bellator 180. I better get great ratings, and I bet the right. sponsors realize that. You know? And uh, he was originally supposed to fight King Mo. They had him at the Chicago event, and after King Mo defeated Rampage Jackson, he went into the cage to probably the fight. King Mo injured or couldn't fight. I think you were specifically critical about them booking that fight right away. Yeah. Uh, literally seconds after the fight ended, and it hasn't come to fruition. Yeah. But it worked out for Ryan Bader, yeah. who gets a title shot I'm glad it's instead of it. Him. And I think he wanted that title shot with Phil Davis first he deserves but uh what was more important to him at least talking to him that week in chicago he said he just wanted to be on that new york card and if that meant having to fight somebody other than phil davis he would do it um so now he's kind of gotten his cake and 
eat it too. That's really so, good. I'm gl- I, I, I'm really glad to hear. That. I saw that Luke uh, Thomas posted that um, that clip. I'm I'm really glad he's doing well. Yeah, and that's uh you know now a, a, a fight with three title car or three title fights on it. Yeah. Uh, Madison Square Garden, of course. You know, Fedor, the Chael, Vanderlei Silva, which is still on, which is kind of impressive in its own right. Um, they're, so they're gonna fight somewhere. Hopefully right. there will be cameras and we get and, and people get to watch it. I guess. Man, is it great <laughs> to see Chael back and like returning to form? Though his his <laughs> shoe bit at that press conference was outstanding. What did that knucklehead do? I didn't even watch it. I don't enjoy. So it. they it's had uh, Vanderlei Silva. <laughs> now this is a little outdated, but yeah. this is a uh, Vanderlei Silva. We need that like Saved by the Bell flashback music. Like, <laughs> uh, anyways, so he they had Vanderlei Silva on a video call and it was mm. a screen. And Chael basically, I guess Ariel was asking a question and Chael did this thing. It was like, you're not, do you realize that you just asked a piece of plastic, a question? Like, he's not actually there. Like, you're talking to him like he's here, but he's not. And he like <laughs> took a shoe off and uh, was talking to his shoe as if it was Vanderlei Silva. <laughs> it was, it was uh, classic quick, Chael. He's quick with it. Yeah. He's had, some, <laughs> he's had some time off to come with some good material and yeah, he delivered. So um, <laughs> at least it wasn't a complete rehash verbatim of a, old pro wrestling uh uh like a promo which he's done in the past he's just taking a full promo memorizing go it for it. it well you know what they say a lot of people uh rick flair said that conor mcgregor stolen his gimmick so yeah. there's there's which of he's course not the only rick one flair totally didn't steal from gorgeous george right back how dare ago. you that's blasphemy <laughs> in wrestling i love rick flair yeah but he didn't invent there's a uh, blonde wearing a robe i think wrestling most wrestlers will say there's no original gimmicks yeah, I think that's it's right. all kind of re it's derivative it's all yeah i mean daniel bryan with the diego sanchez yes speaking of which diego sanchez got knocked out by al iaquinta yeah he did at ufc nashville he did to bring things back to present exactly. mma yeah uh i think a lot of people afterwards said they wanted him to f- retire because yeah. uh, they don't want to see him take damage he posted something on instagram saying he would not retire that he would continue to fight on what are your thoughts Understandably, I think Diego Sanchez and, and fighters in his position, when they hear people call for them to retire, they assume what is meant is that you suck now. Stop doing what you love because you, you suck at it now. I don't think that's not what I mean. So I think Diego Sanchez should have retired a while ago. Uh, I don't know the man. I just watch him like everyone else. Um, and I listen to his speech become increasingly slurred uh, year after year. He's a young man. Um, chronologically, and he's taking um, more than an old man's amount of abuse to his brain. His great career, he's accomplished so much in multiple weight classes. Um, he's there's nothing not to like about Diego Sanchez. Uh, you know, we'll, we can have a similar conversation about Jake Ellenberger. There's nothing not to like about these guys. There's no shame in being a warrior and taking damage. They shouldn't be ashamed of losing at all. But they sh- hopefully their eyes will be open to to the the, uh, the ramifications of it. And no amount of heart can can reverse nerves slowing down or being damaged. No amount of heart can, can stop reflexes slowing down. And, and there's certain things with regards to brain damage that you just never get back. And Diego Sanchez, I hope he doesn't. I hope the people that love him try to get through to him and say, "Listen, this isn't about you not being good anymore." I bet he. I bet he's. I bet he has more skills than he ever has before. I bet he has more knowledge and savvy than ever he has before. And that's the frustrating thing because young men and women are old athletes, and um, they, you know, they feel like they're better than ever, and then they get put out or they get hurt more and more. And it's clear Diego Sanchez is getting brain damage. That's. 
I, in my view, that's not even an issue. So once once that's resolved, I think it's it's fair to say, hey man, why don't you why don't you stop doing that? Is it easy? No. Is it going to be a complete change in the identity he's had since he was probably a child? Yeah. And, and I don't even know how you manage that, and that's tough. I don't know how you manage it financially because now you literally have no other job. What, is he going to go to back to his law firm and like make money there? I don't know what the heck he's going to do to make money, and he doesn't either, and that's tough. Uh, I don't know how he's going to define himself as a person uh, if he can't do the thing that he spent most of his waking hours doing for the last 20-so years, and that's tough. So it sucks, and that's why I think he lashes out. So it's understandable, but yeah, I think people are slurring their speech, and, and, they're, and great fighters lose way more often than they win. It's it's obvious to me that they, in terms of their health, should stop. Right. It's, uh, it's sad to see, I mean, athletes in anything go through something like that, and who knows where his actual capacity, you know, we can only judge based off what we see, but it's just, you'd like to see people leave before they get sure. to a certain point when it's irreversible, the yeah. damage. You know, you've seen a lot of NFL players walk away really young. Well. Some UFC fighters have, some backed out of that quickly and yeah. came back. But, um, you know, health is paramount. It is. And, it is. And, and I can't even understand how tough it is for him or athletes at that level to, to walk away. So I don't, I try not to say it flippantly, but yeah, I got concerned for, for, for his health and it's not because he's not good. I think they hear that and they think, Oh yeah, you're saying I'm no good anymore. His place in the sport will forever be cemented. I think so. Uh, he was on one of the early seasons of the ultimate fighter, maybe the, the first, first one, one. the yeah. very first one champion. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, so, moving on, let's talk about the Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, yeah. There is a new episode tonight. It's the second episode of the Redemption season where they have former UFC fighters and current UFC fighter James Krause competing. Uh, and a lot of people are wondering why James Krause is competing. It's because there's a lot of money on the line. $250,000. Very active you and win. very successful existing UFC fighter. $10,000 per win. 5000 per knockout bonus and 250000 if you win. There's a potential pot of, you, yeah. if you win, you could have over $300,000. It's just 10000 per fight, though. That's, I guess it's more than... I mean, they're exhibition are. fights, so they don't technically count. They're only two rounds, I which guess. Is, is which is and a, typically, they don't... Cruelty. I don't think they pay fighters. They, they, he, they get paid something. It's not 10000 Right. Yeah. Dana White kind of threw, you know, made it seem in the first episode that this was special. Yeah. Uh, the ten thousand yeah. dollars. No, that's true. It's it's less than James Kyle usually gets for a fight, but it's more than Ultimate Fighter contestants usually get. So <laughs> that's that's reality. <laughs> Anyways, there's a. It's it's really intriguing. They teased in all the promos this clip of Cody Garbrandt and uh, TJ yeah. Dillashaw having this incident and Cody grabbing TJ by the neck. That happened on the first episode uh, as they're getting ready to go out to the weigh-ins for the first fight. <laughs> So the hatred is there. Normally, it takes a while before things really pop off. <laughs> For those of you who've watched The Ultimate Fighter, it takes a few episodes before uh, tensions finally boil over. They got right into the throat grabbing. This yeah, before the first fight even happened. <laughs> so, and they're showing clips tonight uh, that show them, you know, having another scuffle where they have to be separated, and Uriah Faber getting into an argument with T.J. Dillashaw. How are they going to make it argument? six weeks? <laughs> I don't know, but so this is the question. There's a lot of people who feel like when WME was buying UFC that. Uh, Ultimate Fighter was on the chopping block, mm. and that it could be, you know, discarded. Yeah. The yeah. UFC, the Ultimate Fighter brand, seems to have lost interest, which is why they're kind of doing some things. Uh, I know going into the UFC 203 event in Cleveland, a lot of the media was talking about it. This was before the the champion season mm. that led to the Demetrius Johnson mm. fight about it, and a lot of people. It seems like a lot of consensus was that people aren't really necessarily as interested in it anymore. 
um, as they once were. But that the gimmick that season, the champion or the winner getting a shot against Demetrius Johnson kind of made people more interested. This is another gimmick season with the redemption thing. Yeah. These are names that we know and we've right. seen and we have a backstory, most of them. Yeah. Um, and so is it, are you interested in the Ultimate Fighter again? Yeah. Or yeah. is it still like, eh. Well, I was never like a, 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 a tough hipster. Like, oh, I used to watch tough before everyone watched it. And I hate all these new seasons. I was never really on that. Like, we got to get rid of this because you look at it in real terms. Back in the day with Spike, then FX, uh, now FS1. Like, listen, what better content does FS1 have to put on at a random whatever night of the week than fights? They don't. So keep it on there. And whatever you get from that ratings wise is, is well worth it. And you always get to see new I mean, people on there. They could have skip Bayless talk more. Oh, that would be, that if would you want it. I, I don't. Or Jason no. Whitlock. <laughs> those, neither one or of those. Colin two. Cowherd. No, none of those three, uh, uh, insipid, um, <laughs> commentators. Unfortunately, I, I do love, uh, Mr. Sharp. And I, although I don't love his, uh, his, his partner, um, so I, I like I like what Shannon Sharp uh, puts out there on his FS1 show. What I do? Absolutely. This is a guy who said Nate Diaz couldn't fight at 155 oh, pounds. Oh, he should never talk about uh, MMA. But <laughs> he said he has said some things. For example, like uh, uh, talking about uh, racism and society. And I think he's he's an astute observer. You you make this guy talk about stuff he doesn't know, and it's going to be a problem. Uh, you so good point. <laughs> I don't I don't agree with everything he says. Uh, but yeah, no, I think uh, I, I think. Things like this where there's extra stakes on the line, a title shot, um, back into the UFC. James Krause was already in, still in the UFC. But, you know, when there's something like that, like season four of the Ultimate Fighter, which was the comeback season, I believe, that's a cool thing. I mean, I, I have no argument against, hey, let's try to find a new angle. Uh, I, I love it. I was never, like, hating on it. Uh, I was – I have not been really glued to my television for any number of seasons of the Ultimate Fighter I don't know that I can blame the show. Uh, I would always try to watch the fights themselves because I think it's good scouting. You could see, oftentimes, you can see, hey, here's some new young fighters I haven't heard of from different scenes, and you get to watch that. The drama and the house and all that, usually I don't like it. This drama I actually have no problem with. I think, <laughs> I think, I think you know, it sucks. It, you know, I'm not saying, hey, let's, human beings being stressed and, and, and hateful of one another is a thing we need in the world, but I think it's real. At this at this yeah. point, I think it's I think it's real. I think there's real tension there. There's definitely real tension, and it's uh, it's very captivating to mm. kind of watch it unfold. And the thing that's really most interesting to me is I think Cody gets misunderstood a lot, mm. and he yeah, comes across as like a hothead. I think, and he's um, you know, because he's quick to react and to grab. Like he really kind of maybe instigated that because TJ was talking smack, but yeah. he was doing so with his hands. Um, you know, like this down in front of him. He wasn't being really threatening in yeah. his body language, but, but I don't know that, um, Cody is necessarily the wittiest person. And I don't know if he just might, uh, I don't know if he is or isn't, if he is, I don't think he exercises a lot, mm. but just knowing his history, this is a guy who sees himself as somebody standing up to bullies like that. Like if you talk to him about his life, there's like one consistent theme and it's standing up to bullies. And that's always been a tenet of who he is. Mm. It was, uh, you know, going back to high school, he would jeopardize a run at his state title, which he won as a freshman by getting into a fight to stand up to for not only for himself, 
for another kid getting picked on. Yeah. He stood up for this kid who with special needs, I believe, to get picked up on. You I know, remember this reading is, that in, in that great long feature that I yeah, and Mark. I'd never heard that story you know, before. And he viewed Dominic as a bully to Team Alpha Male. And in this situation, uh, the throat-grabbing one, it seemed much more like TJ and his people were chirping at uh, somebody on Cody's team. Mm. Oh, man, I'm drawing a name at who it was, but this guy on TJ's team was caught talking smack about Seth on Cody Garbrandt's uh. team who, um, and he heard it and he confronted him and he was like, oh, I didn't say nothing about you, but like, you can rewind it. And yes, <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> it's right there on the video, but sure. Um, anyways, so, you know, it wasn't necessarily directly involving Cody, but this is another instance mm. of Cody stepping in to defend someone, mm. Mm. Uh, you know, cause the guy on TJ's team was talking smack and then TJ was kind of jumping in and you know, Cody's guy was trying to defend himself. And then that's when, that's when, uh, Cody jumped in. And mm. from everything I know about Cody, that's very consistent. Mm. He sees, he sees a situation where he perceives bullies happening. Bullying is happening and mm. he steps in. Yeah. And yeah. that's just who he is. And that's going to create a lot of interesting situations this, uh, season, because as you've seen on the ultimate fighter, there's, a lot of head games and mm. um, stuff that happens in the house because the, the proximity of everyone and uh, sometimes the trash talking um, gets there. So it'll be interesting to see how he handles that because he he's not a person who cares to tolerate bullying. Yeah, and he doesn't. He's not a person who tries who feels the need to talk bullies down. Yeah, he's not trying to resolve it verbally. Yeah, yeah. He's he's going to put a stop to it immediately yeah. in the way that he knows how. Yeah. That's I really love that you're you're framing that and giving like a fuller context to it because um, you know yeah you could maybe look at the the clip of the dude with the neck tattoo grabbing someone's the Opie looking guy's throat and shoving him and say oh wow that that dude with the with the tattoo and the piercings is probably the bully but you're you're suggesting something much more nuanced and I think much more interesting it's not I, I'm not saying T.J. Dillshaw is a bad human being, but yeah, is he, is he trying to dig in at, at Cody? Sure. Uh, you know, these other guys, you know, is that dude talking crap about the other guy? Yup. So I like that. I like that you give that, that fuller perspective to it. But on a bigger picture, I think this is kind of brilliant on the UFC's part. UFC 213 right now, the only title fight on that card is Garbrandt Dillashaw. Yeah, you gotta hype them up. So that could very well end up being the main event. There's rumors, a galore across the internet about what else is going to be on that card. Sure. Everything from Amanda Nunes, um, defending their title, which isn't necessarily the craziest thing mm -hmm. out there, mm -hmm. that uh, against uh, Valentina Shevchenko, that's not the craziest sure. thing, and that would that fight makes sense because it would still allow Gardy, uh, Cody, and Dillashaw to be the title fight. Mm. It, though though those, those rules about weight classes getting priority doesn't seem to be a thing anymore. And at this point, it would just be male versus female because it's the same weight now, right? Right, like they're both bantamweight, so yeah. Um, and it should be worth noted that the two hundred thirty-five pounds were defended together at UFC two hundred seven. Oh, that's right. And the women right. got the spotlight that time around. That's right. So yeah, uh, but anyways, typically heavyweight classes uh, sure. headlined, so that would be an issue. You know, there's all sorts of stuff going on about Tyron Woodley because he tweeted out that he was starting a training camp yeah. for no reason. Yeah. So there's speculation <laughs> rampant there. But as far as we know, that's the only title fight. And I think the drama, and everybody on the fans can say what they want about it, but the drama is ultimately what sells these pay-per-views. Mm -hmm. It's why Chael mm -hmm. Sonnen talks smack. It's why sure. Conor McGregor is so popular. Sure. It's partially why Pond Ronda Rousey was so popular. Um, and I think this season is a good... Mm -hmm. It was good timing. Yeah. You know, yeah. they always have a, a, a ultimate fighter season culminate in that weekend, but mm. it's always had its own event. 
That's right. You're right. Yeah. And, and it does this week, this time around yeah. too, if I'm remembering correctly, I have to look at the schedule, but makes sense to have the coaches headlining. Each other yeah. Do the, the, the contestants. And it's headlining the, you know, the bigger of the event there. That's right. Let's see. Yeah. There is the ultimate fighter 25 finale, July 7th, but they're on the two thirteen the pay-per-view. So yeah. I think it's good. I mean, this is all a marketing push for two thirteen. Yeah, but And I think that that matchup can, can stand on its own as a headliner. I mean, if you could have, you know, Dominic Cruz, Uriah Faber headline. I think these two guys, after a season of tough, I, I, it could stand on its own, especially in a big weekend like that where there's multiple events and stuff like that. Like, you, can, you can't shake your fist at smart fighting and then turn down two guys choking each other on a, TV <laughs> sh- on a reality TV show. <laughs> no, you can't. You can't. The, the people booing John Donson will be very, very happy. They'll also happen to get two really great technical fighters. Uh, but you got the, 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 the throat-grabbing possibility too, which is good. Now, one of the big tenets of the Dillashaw Garbrandt rivalry uh, feud is this alleged knockout video right, that exists right. where Garbrandt allegedly yeah. knocked out TJ Dillashaw in sparring at team alpha male. And there's supposedly video of it. Yeah. Why is this a big deal? Uh, okay. So great question. First, it's a big deal for a reason. I think a lot of people can understand. We have two guys that we've, none of us have ever seen fight before. They're at the top of their division, and they're about to fight. And then someone can come and says, hey, actually, they did fight before. They were teammates. And like, oh, yeah, they were just sparring. No, 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 no. Someone got knocked out. Like, whoa, that's interesting. It's certainly interesting to people if you gamble because <laughs> you, maybe you want to – it informs it somehow, and you want to see one guy decisively beat another guy in a previous uh, uh, setting or a previous occasion. Uh, and it's just it, it adds to the rivalry as well because not only are they just former teammates, but they're former teammates that went hard enough against one another that supposedly one of them got knocked out. So that's interesting. I think that's that's off the bat. What's what's a little deeper is these whole threats of let's release it, let's not release it. So there's a maxim among most people, Michael Bisping excluded, <laughs> in the fight world where what you do with training partners, whether they're longtime teammates or whether it's someone maybe even bring in for sparring and you're not a longtime teammate, but you get some work in or you go to them, is that the classy thing, the respectful thing to do is not to talk about what happened publicly. You know what happened and you're helping each other. You can leave the eagles aside and really help each other honestly, not look to hurt each other, but look to help each other because you know that no one's going to know what happened behind closed doors. You can leave your ego out of it. It's not in front of the bright lights and the cameras and all that type of stuff. Right, I say Michael Bisping because he's he loved talking about uh, a sparring match he had with, with Luke Rockhold. They've yep. fought now twice, so people can see what each of them can do to one another. But uh, but yeah, so the maximum is you don't talk about what happens in training, right? You don't do it. You certainly don't put video out of it on, on the on the internet when someone got knocked out. So that was that's a little bullying from Team <laughs> Alpha Male going after a guy that they feel has really been duplicitous uh, with them and TJ Dillashaw and has said lies about them and saying, okay, tough guy, we're going to show you getting knocked out. I think they just want to mess with his head a bit there. Uh, To make that more interesting, on Team Alpha Male's, I don't know, unofficial podcast, the Stud Stud Radio Show? Yeah, I I forget what it's called. But, yeah, that's good. They do it at the gym. Yeah, Justin Buckle said that uh, TMZ offered him (laughs) $50,000 for the video. And then TMZ came out and said, no, we didn't. So just See, another little added bit of drama for fun. the Ultimate Fighter when you're watching I'm, tonight. I'm, that's really interesting. I'm sure TMZ is of the opinion of what happens in negotiation correspondences about what we pay in private stays private because they don't want to be outpriced or you know they don't want people to know what they're pricing. So I, I can believe that Justin Buchholz made that up 
And I could also believe that he was telling the truth and that TMZ doesn't want anyone to know what they offer things. You know, I could see either one. That's pretty right. funny, though. But you guys should check out that podcast, too. It's very relaxed, uh, free-flowing conversation. They have a really cool studio. Have. They do. Uh, Justin Buckles, what he's done with his fighter shirts. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that display no, case? No, I haven't. I haven't. He has, like, a display case where it has all the fighter shirts oh, uh, cool. from the new Reebok fighter kits hung in a, such a way that all you can see is the name that you know because the name's like yeah, vertical. Yeah. All you can see are the names lined that's up. That's cool. So that's a uh, it's a cool little um, touch that, that from is, that. that uh, the actual quote from EMZ TMZ said uh, never offered anyone in his camp fifty dollars. It's an outrageous lie, completely absurd and untrue. Oh man, they offended TMZ. Oh my gosh, TMZ's sensibilities were offended. Those poor sensitive. Scumbag souls. <laughs> never forget, never forget the Edmund, the Edmund interview they had. Google oh, that. Please, yeah, the fake. Tell people a little, little taste of that, so they know what you're talking about, so they can Google it because that's amazing. They interviewed uh, the Edmund parody account on Twitter. <laughs> Edmund Tard video and a coach around the A lot of people, even including the account, called them out on it, and I don't think that they actually ever updated the post. But who knows? Yeah, who cares? They're a bunch of right. children doing horrible things. They don't. They don't need to update things. <laughs> But anyways, we are approaching the hour mark, so uh, I think we wanted to just touch on one more thing before we go. George St. Pierre, Mm. uh, his ongoing fight with uh, Michael Bisping is still up in the air. That could be another UFC 213 event as well as we're talking about uh, or as we're looking towards the future. But uh, he said he believes in ring rust. Your thoughts? You are shaking the ring, uh, rust off to get back into <laughs> yeah. no, a mat of sorts. I think the only person I've uh, ever heard say it's not real is Dominic Cruz, right? I mean, you know, there's a certain amount of intensity and quickness that you get in a fight that you don't really get in, in sparring usually. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm uh, hey, I'm not not that I would disagree with Dominic Cruz, but I'm not going to disagree with George Swole St. Pierre either. Have you guys seen this guy? Not like George St. Pierre didn't have muscles before. But he's looking a good 270, 275 of pure muscle right now. This guy is huge right now. It makes sense. He's going to go up to middleweight. But, yeah, I hear him. Good for him for saying, hey, listen, I've gotten older. I haven't fought in uh, four years. I'm going to have ring rust. But I really think I can mitigate the effects with my training. That seems that seems pretty honest. Huh? I can't disagree with that. I'm assuming he's going to have some ring rust. So let's talk about the biggest fight happening this weekend. Yeah. Elias Cepeda. <laughs> yeah, right. Stepping into a grappling-only tournament. Yeah. I will be there, credentialed, ready to interview you I'm excited. after your fight. Thanks. We're going to get a backdrop and do it full UFC press conference that, style. That'll be phenomenal, yeah. man. That'll be good. You just, we might have to do it from the, uh, we'll from, even from upload the hospital it. room. We'll even upload it as a special uh, podcast for everybody. <laughs> cool, to man. Listen. Um, for those of you in the Chicago area, you can buy tickets. Yeah. Where can you get tickets at? Uh, there's, uh, you can get them at the door. You can get them at this website called cagetix.com. That's T-I-X. T-I-X, yeah. There's, the event is called Fight to Win Pro, and it's number 33. Uh, it's, it's, it streams live at, at flowgrappling.com. They put all the, the big uh, uh, jiu-jitsu and grappling, submission grappling tournaments uh, out there, matches out there. So it's kind of cool. It's, and mo- it's not a tournament format. It's single matches, a bunch of things that they that they call in my case charitably super matches mine isn't but the main event is Kyle Terra a multiple time world champion going against Jeff Kern a black belt and a UFC veteran and WEC veteran so it's going to be a fun event i yeah they gave me a match uh, i'm i'm going to be going against uh this guy Miguel Gomez Jr he's a uh, a regional champion He's been. He's also. He also used to fight, I believe. Um, but uh, I haven't seen any tape on him. But he's a tough guy. He ranked higher than me. I'm doing another match May 13th at XFO. 
that may be not live, but later on fight UFC Fight Pass. Both these guys are going to be really, really tough challenges. I'm hoping, as you know, Mike, to, to fight again before the end of the year. I haven't fought in MMA for four years now. I had a number of injuries and uh, kept me out of, of fighting, but I've been sparring again. And I thought these these single matches going out there with the lights on you, with the cameras, with fan sighted interviewing you, and, <laughs> and you know that it'll. It, you'll, I'm going to be dressed to the nines, <laughs> full, full dinner suit jacket with tails. Uh, it's going to be pocket square, <laughs> pocket square out there. Yeah, you know, like it'll it'll run through the the little emotional roller coaster you have to. It'll feel like a fight until. You're out there. And, and so for folks that don't know, when I say MMA and I say submission grappling, what I mean is this. What I'm used to doing is amateur MMA, and that's takedowns, submissions, chokes, joint locks, and, but also knees, punches, kicks, elbows, all that type of stuff. This match I've got coming up, uh, it's a match, and it's submission grappling. And so you can do the slams, you can do the joint locks, you can do the chokes, uh, but there's no strikes. There's no, we're not going to be punching or kicking uh, one another. So it's the nuanced smart fighting. Well, yeah, I mean, hey, all, uh, hey it's, it's, it's a little safer to, for your head, that's for sure. Uh, you know, striking is incredibly nuanced and, and is very intelligent as well. But, uh, but, yeah, you know, hopefully, I mean, you could actually lose by knockout because slams are legal. Any slam mm. is legal. So I could get suplexed. Or I could suplex him or pile driver. Like, all slams are legal. So I guess you could technically lose by knockout and sustain some brain damage. But no one's going to be punching me, hopefully. Uh, so I, I, it, it's safer in that regard. So, yeah, that'll be fun, man. But, yeah, Fight to Win Pro 33 uh, live on uh, flowgrappling.com uh, if you got a sc- subscription there. If you're in the area, you want to come out to the Odium, which is in Villa Park, Illinois, a suburb of Chicago, you can, you can come on out and, uh, and check me out and a bunch of other much better grapplers on that card as well. And watch a writer put his money where his mouth is and step <laughs> on the mat. It'll be how fun. many how many of your favorite big name MMA writers can you see <laughs> actually compete? So uh, make sure to get a subscription to Flow Grapple yeah, and so watch that. Stop harassing me on Twitter and boo me in person. Like, yeah, like a like a like a brave like a normal adult. MMA fan. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, sorry we couldn't connect with Jessica Panay. Uh, we'll try to get her uh, interviewed in, in a separate podcast uploaded to uh, iTunes or wherever you listen, Google Play. Uh, we also are going to try and get an interview done this week with Rafian Stotts. We tried to have him on the show last week. He wants to talk about his big title win at Victory uh, FC 55, I think it was. And I want to know if he got to keep the belt. Yeah. Like we, like I told him that he's big might. time now. We had him on so, a few days before the fight. We got to have him on, man. Right. And, uh, but, but stay tuned. It's going to be an exciting weekend for us to, um, for, of content coming from extra rounds. Not only is Elias fighting, but I will be there covering it. We can interview Elias about his fight. <laughs> Elias can interview Elias about his fight. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll try to talk to some of the other guys there, uh, who are competing and there should be a lot of, original and interesting content coming this weekend so make sure to subscribe as always otherwise next week we will see you same time 2 p.m central 3 p.m eastern uh right here on the sports illustrated mma facebook page so see you all next week